Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. This is the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, episode 65. Welcome back to the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. My name is Mark Arlapage, and this is the podcast dedicated to a successful life as a small firm architect. Whether you have plans to someday start your own firm, you're in the process of launching a startup, or you might be an experienced small firm architect just trying to make a difference, this podcast is for you. My goal is to inspire you to build a better business so that you may pursue your purpose with passion, and live the life of your dreams. When Anne-Marie and I launched our residential architecture studio in 1999, we made a very important decision about the name of our firm. We wanted to be sure that our name was unique and would clearly separate our studio from the many other residential architects in the region. We wanted a name that would be easy to remember, would endure, and would outlive the firm's founders when the next generation might take the lead. We wanted a name that would not burden us as principals, forcing us to be the only people prospects would want to meet when developing new business or interacting with our clients. If our names were on the door, would we be the only people qualified to represent the firm? We wanted a name on which we could build a brand. We named our firm Five Cat Studio, and we succeeded in building a successful brand of high-end residential architecture in the lower Hudson Valley of New York State. This week on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast, I am speaking with a person who understands how important proper branding is to the success of every architect. She's responsible for, for 
branding, and rebranding multiple New England-based architecture firms. Emily Hall is a senior associate with Union Studio Architecture based in Providence, Rhode Island, and we had a fantastic conversation about how to successfully rebrand an architecture firm. Support for everything we do here at Entrepreneur Architect is provided by our platform sponsor, FreshBooks. The easiest way to send invoices, manage expenses, and track your time. For a free 30-day trial, visit freshbooks.com architect. Emily Hall, welcome to the Entrepreneur Architect podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking the time to join me. I appreciate it. Uh, you are the senior associate at a uh, firm formerly known as Donald Powers Architects, mm -hmm. based in uh, Providence, Rhode Island, my old stomping ground. I went to Roger Williams University in, in Bristol, which is not too far from there. Heading back up there okay. uh, tomorrow to give a small talk to the AIAS up there. So I'm excited to go back to, to where it all began. Yeah. Um, but in 2011, with your guidance, Donald Powers Architects successfully rebranded as <laughs> Union Studio Architecture and Community Design. And that certainly, mm -hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about it, but is no small feat to take an established <laughs> firm with a principal's name on it and rebrand it successfully so, mm -hmm. uh, so it works. And I'd love to discuss that. But before we get into that, I want to know a little bit more about you. I'd like to uh, understand where you came from and where did you start? So if you could sort of give us your uh, origin story, what, what's your path mm -hmm. to where you are today? Sure. Well, like a lot of people who are in architectural marketing, I never um, went out with this in mind as an end career goal. I think a lot of people find themselves in the field of architectural marketing um, through a lot of different different paths and channels. Personally, I have an undergrad and um, an undergrad experience in art history and studio art that took me to New York City after that for five years to work in the art gallery world, and I wound up talking a lot about art for five years and then wanted to do some more design work. So went back to school at Rhode Island School of Design where I got a master's degree in industrial design. And then I got pulled into the architectural world because I wanted to, um, to do a simple job so I could have my own my time to do my own uh, studio work in industrial design. So I got a job for a small architecture firm as a receptionist. And, um, and then I'm sorry. That's okay. And then <laughs> that's my rabbit actually uh, causing some damage over there. Well, you might hear um, my dogs barking in the background. So. <laughs> I apologize. We roll um, really casually around yeah, here, so no worries. Yeah. So, um, so then I, I was a receptionist at a small architecture firm and um, gradually just took on more and more responsibility. And over the course of nine years at that firm, which was um, Durkee Brown, Viveros, and Werenfels Architects, also in Providence, I got... I got a window into absolutely every job in the firm that was not being an actual architect. So office management, doing the billing, accounts payable, receivable, receivables. Then I got into marketing from the business side and then was able to educate myself in marketing through uh, SMPS, the Society of Marketing Professional Services, which is a great organization, really taught me a lot about um, the nuance of marketing for architecture firms. Uh, worked with them through a rebrand or um, at least a change of logo and website. And then was asked to join Union Studio, or Donald Powers Architects at the time, 
Um, and I've been there for four years. And then recently, last May, I got my, uh, my MBA from the University of Rhode Island, which I was doing at night for the past three years. Congratulations. Thank you. That's that was a big um, deal. Yeah, well, you know, it, it was, there was a lot of math involved, and um, I didn't have much of that uh-huh. in my recent professional past. But I'm glad I did it. I really um, it kind of, I needed it to round out my, uh, you know, my, my knowledge about marketing and business. It was kind of the fi- that final piece in that puzzle because I'd been doing a lot of that over the years. I've always been somewhere between business and design um, and operated within that margin, very left brain, right brain. So that's how I wound up where I am today. Yeah, it sounds like you are the uh, every architect's dream. <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. I think I'm their worst nightmare sometimes. <laughs> you no, know, maybe, maybe, maybe some would consider that. But I, you know, from my point of view, every architect needs to to run their firm like a business, and many of them either don't know how to or don't want to. And to have somebody on board like you would be so great to to you know to be able to to handle the business end of things, and uh, and let architects be architects. I've been fortunate to work for two firms that had a very strong business sense. Um, and I know it would be much more of a challenge to, to work with um, principals who, who didn't have that knowledge. So I've, I've been very lucky that um, my opinion has been respected and considered. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky that there hasn't been much ego involved on the principal side in any firm that I've worked with so far. They've been very willing to change when they needed to change. Yeah, I mean, Donald Powers Architects was a pretty established brand itself before you rebranded. So mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. To, to have a, a firm that understood how to get to that point uh, was was unique in itself. Absolutely. Uh, Donald did a great job from the very beginning at um, building a national client base through uh, thought leadership and membership in the Congress for the New Urbanism, which is um, an excellent organization. It's very much aligned with our mission. And, and he was able to join that and, and earn a lot of national clients um, that way. So sometimes it's easier, I think, for especially a small firm in a small state like Rhode Island, to have that national credibility, um, to be an expert in a way, from a way, essentially. And that's, um, he did a great job of building that. And he also did a, you know, I, I commend him for knowing, and his partner, um, Douglas Caulfields, knowing that at the time, at the, about the point that they reached 10 years, that it was, it was time to make a change. And that looking into the future of the business, you know, 10, 20 years later, it didn't need to be Donald Powers Architects anymore, that that wasn't a clear um, alignment with, with where the firm was going. So let's talk about that. Talk about a little bit about, first of all, what what does your firm do so everybody kind of understands the type mm-hmm. of firm the size of firm and that kind of thing and then sure. talk about you know what was the trigger to to change mm-hmm. sure so we're about 20 people which believe it or not is, is a mid-sized firm in the state of rhode island i think our largest firm is about 30 people in the state um and we do architecture and community design so where we're different is we look at architecture in the context of of planning and master planning and really the you know the 3D experience of spaces uh so it's a combination of that it's the connective tissue that brings you know a site together with a building um and everything is in in context and response to each other so it's a great makes for um a pedestrian experience that's very friendly and walkable so we do a lot of housing 
Um, we do prototype housing and private residences, multifamily and affordable housing. We also do academic work, um, adaptive reuse, uh, mostly full spectrum architecture. Yep. And it's national everywhere. Yeah. Pretty much served yep. everywhere. Yeah. And we we're a boutique firm that works nationally. Uh, we've been, we've been lucky enough to have pro- a few projects in the Seattle area. We have one in California now. We had one in Texas, Virginia, New York State, Oklahoma. We got a project in Oklahoma last year. Uh, so, and oh, and Canada. We had our first project in Canada last year. So, yeah, we, we do work, I guess you could say, internationally. Yeah, and are you growing? Yes, we are. Yeah, we just um, hired somebody. We started last week, and uh, we are looking to grow. And that's part of, I think, most rebrands. Um, that is the the impetus, you know, yeah. is is an idea for for around growth. So, so what was the trigger? What was the what was the the, the reason for the rebrand? Uh, well, ten years old, looking to the future, and I think Donald and his partner Douglas knew that um, it that the, just having one name on the on the. On the sign didn't really reflect what we were about as a firm that was very much about collaboration, layering of efforts, um, community, the intersection of of you know community and design. So Union Studio, and we we're also located on Union Street, so that was an easy suggestion of a name, but it also yeah, it's a means name. so much. Yeah, and it means so much more than that because it's really um, the intersection of so many things, and that's exactly how we view with our broad holistic perspective on architecture and the built environment that's how we view it so um so i I think it was more of you know hitting that 10-year point and saying where do we where are we going to be and how are we going to grow in 10 or 20 years um and that really does reflect uh, more about who we are as a culture and uh where the next generation of leadership is going to come in um we didn't want to just add more names on yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, it's important when architects establish their firm from the beginning, or if they're in that position now where they, they have started their firm and they've named it after themselves to really mm-hmm. consider that name. It's, I think the name is so, so important. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I don't think it's okay to just, you know, open a firm and just name it after yourself because in the future that becomes an issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Todd Redding, who's the COO of Charette Venture Group, who introduced you and me, mm-hmm. um, he and I have had a conversation about many of the, the architects that he's speaking with, because he's talking to many architects through what he's doing with Charette Venture Group. And so many architects are, are um, overwhelmed with the amount of work they're doing, you know, mm-hmm. the, their own responsibility, the, the principles in their firms. And so many of them are are out getting the work and the reason they're out getting the work and not behind a drafting board designing is because their name is on the door Mm -hmm. and nobody wants Mm -hmm. to talk to anybody except for the guy with the name on the door. And, uh, and so, Mm -hmm. you know, a solution to that is to not put your name on the door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. I, I, um, hadn't really thought about it that way in terms of business development, but it absolutely opens up your options um, and makes it easier for everybody in, in, in the firm to market on the behalf of the firm. Let's take a quick break to thank FreshBooks for support as a platform sponsor. 
As a platform sponsor, FreshBooks has provided funding and support for our mission to become an influential force in this profession of architecture. They recognize the need for small firms to build better businesses in order to be better architects. So who is FreshBooks? FreshBooks is the easy to use invoicing software designed to help small business owners. And yes, that's you and me, small firm architects. FreshBooks will help us get organized, save time invoicing, and get paid faster. For more information and access to a free 30-day trial, go to freshbooks.com architect and enter Entree Architect in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So yeah. what, what was the process that Donald Powers Architects had to, to go through to get to where you are now? Okay, well, they had decided on the name by, you know, in about 90%, they decided on Union Studio as the name at the, t at the point that they had brought me in to help with the rebrand. So I came in with that advantage that, that the name was chosen, but, you know, the, we, we really were starting from scratch. And um, we set our calendar and our time frame and knew we wanted to launch within a year, which is actually a pretty aggressive schedule, believe it or not. It sounds like a lot of time, but there's a lot to be done. And we started with a metric review and, you know, just basic analytics about the existing site and um, they didn't have any analytics installed at that point. So made sure to install the right tracking with the existing site to see where people were spending time and weren't. So at least we got a, you know, baseline of how much time people were spending on the site and what they were visiting, what's, what pages what were you using to they do were that? visiting. Um, I use StatCounter, okay. which is free. And I like it a lot. And you know, there's always Google Analytics, but um, I personally like StatCounter better because it gives you more detailed information about each page um, and, each and each visitor. So that was helpful to start with a baseline. And then engage we engaged a graphic designer, who's Bob Troutman, who's now with a communications agency called Nail. Excellent work. Um, and he, and he brought us through a, a series of questions as a firm and interviewed all of our employees, which is pretty easy to do when you're, at the time we were, we were fewer than we are now, I think we were about 10, and asked a lot of questions about what we perceived, our individual employees perceived as our value proposition, what our brand represented, where we wa wanted, how we perceived growth, um, where we saw the firm being in 10 years, uh, what we felt about the firm culture, and... And I read all of those responses and, and worked through them with the principals. And it was interesting because we are a mission-based firm, a lot of those answers were quite similar. So in a way, we, it was a fortuitous place to start that our employees felt had you know, pretty much of a common opinion about our existing brand and where we want it to be. Uh, and that was helpful. Um, so the, you know, the thought we came down to a, to a list of about 10 adjectives that described us really honestly as a firm. And all of that helped direct our graphic designer. Um, he was able to understand the directive to freshen the classical. And that was really important to us. We're a traditionally based firm, um, traditional architecture and new urbanism. And we want, didn't want to appear stodgy. We're a young firm. We've got fresh ideas, um, very friendly and accessible firm culture. So freshening the classical was a good directive. We wanted to remain rooted in 
in, in classical architecture, but also um, really get our personality out there and um, express that clearly. So after several go-arounds, because it was a tall order, uh, our graphic designer really came up with some great ideas. And what helped him is we actually gave him a, a book by Vitruvius and said, just, just glance through, because I'm not sure how many you know, contemporary graphic designers are really familiar with the depth of um, traditional architecture and classical architecture. So he was able to look at that and pull some interesting patterns um, from that book and, and incorporate that into a logo that was unexpected. He wasn't pulling the traditional um, uh, symbols of classical architecture. He was really taking something that was pretty nuanced, and, and we recognize that and really appreciate that. And we felt that it did, that, and he created a system, logo system out of that with lines that didn't, so the logo didn't have to stand alone to always represent us. There was still a lot of lines on the letterhead and the website that could be used separate from the logo. It was a very good, it was a good effort. And then meanwhile, we were also doing the website at the same time. Um, and we worked with um, uh, a web designer out in London, uh, and then he was excellent at that. So, yeah. Yeah, and the website is beautiful. We, we spoke, I was talking mm -hmm. a little bit before we started recording. I, I think... Uh, the website alone is probably one of the most successful branded uh, websites for an architect that I've seen. It, it, I would mm -hmm. highly recommend everybody to go look at it. It's unionstudioarc.com. Mm -hmm. um, the, the logo is beautiful. The presentation is beautiful. And, and what I love about the website is that it's complete, that it's, it has everything that you expect it or need it to, to have from a, from a client's point of view. Not necessarily all the flashy, f fancy pictures, but they're there too. They're beautiful photographs, but it's Thank designed you. in a way to, to be uh, uh, useful for the client. It's, it's mm -hmm. there to tell your story. It has a fantastic mm -hmm. video attached to it that tells your story from, from a video. An uh, intern did that, by the way. Excellent. And it's an excellent video. And, and I think that alone sells your studio because it tells not only the story of your studio, but it talks about the people and their, a lot of their, their personal stories and, and how and why mm -hmm. Donald started the firm and, and you know, why it, where it is today. It's very, very well done. Mm -hmm. um, so the overall brand mm -hmm. is there. You, you, Thank you go to unionstudioarc.com and the brand screams at you in a very successful way. I don't know if screaming is the right term to use, but it's it's very, very well done. And I see the logo when what you're talking about, that the, the logo is sort of a, a, a gold, yellow gold square um, with a series of curved lines through it. And those curved mm -hmm. lines repeat themselves through patterns mm -hmm. on the website. Uh, I would assume that's probably also on letterhead and mm -hmm. presentations and all of that. Um, yeah. So yeah. So what you did from what you described is that you started by... Uh, analyzing the current brand because clearly mm -hmm. there was a strong brand with Donald Powers Architects and so mm -hmm. you had to analyze what that brand was in order to go to the next level of of sort of rebranding it mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and taking what you what you are and taking it to where you want it to be and yes and I think it's really important not to make assumptions at that stage of the process and to really ask third-party opinions about the brand uh, I had the advantage of coming in from uh, from a competing architecture firm. So I, I really had my own idea of what that brand looked like from the outside uh, and then 
that was that was very valuable in coming in and saying, well, this is what people think of this brand, uh, and I knew that because I didn't, uh, you know, I just didn't. Being in the industry and talking to people and knowing what Donald Powers Architects represented, I had a very strong idea of what you know, kind of the word on the street was about the firm and the brand. So, I think it's important to get that third-party perspective and to really deep dive with all of your employees and and make sure that it stays somewhat out of the hands of the principals in terms of the just the base objective analytics uh, because you really need that information to 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 work with because you can make a lot of assumptions about what people think of you and your brand that aren't accurate uh, because they're what you wanted to project and thought you were projecting for years and maybe they weren't it wasn't entirely accurate I think there's often that disjoint with people what the people think their brand is versus what um, what it really is right. or, or what how it, it's really or what perceived it, yeah or what it should be I think that, mm-hmm. that so many architects fall into the trap of marketing to other architects that, mm-hmm. that they want to create a, a beautiful presentation on your website and the, and the, and the brand and the logo mm-hmm. that is going to be appealing to them and their friends and to their peers. And they forget that the whole point of the website and the marketing is to appeal to your target market, which may Absolutely. be completely different than um, what your friends, the architects think. Um, we Absolutely. just... Uh, Two episodes ago, we had um, uh, Nicholas Renard on from uh, Renard, uh, Cody Renard Architecture and Dig Architecture. And he has a uh, uh, marketing firm working for him. And that, that is one thing he said is that when they first started, they do all his social media work. When he fir- they first started, he hated what they were doing because mm-hmm. it wouldn't be what he would do. And then mm-hmm. he realized very quickly that it was not supposed to be appealing to him. It was supposed to be mm-hmm. appealing to the people who were, were hiring him. And he's mm-hmm. very, very happy with what he's done. That's why I think it's important to, to write a very clear brief about what, what you expect the brand to do, what you want it to do, so that you can lay out the right questions to ask yourself all the way through the process and say, is it, is it achieving X, Y, and Z? You know, at the beginning of this process, we needed it to achieve X, Y, and Z. And then all the way through, you can ask, you can weigh the answers, you know, with the questions and say, okay, is it doing it? Is it doing it? So it just takes a little bit of the, you know, the personal attachment to the brand out of it when you're able to really um, quantify, uh, you know, an analysis and say, is it doing it? Well, it is actually. You know? yeah. Describe what a brief is. You know, uh, where you outline what your goals are for the project, um, a little bit of background, um, maybe what your, your uh, metrics for success would be, you know, where you want to be and how you would know that you had achieved that. That's, um, that's what we did with, mm-hmm. with our process is what would, what would success look like with this brand? Um, and you know, I think we, we actually managed to achieve more than what we thought. I and mean, certainly with the website, in terms of traffic, we really quadrupled a lot of numbers when we when we made some key changes, and they were subtle changes, but in terms of content. But I think one of the things that I took away is how much people want to know about the personalities in the firm. Mm. People yeah. really want to be able to connect with not only the principals but the other staff members, and I think that's a very um, clear way to show your per, your firm culture and personality. Yeah, and the values of of the firm. Absolutely. A lot of firms just list the two principals and say, and staff, and you have no idea how big the firm is. You have no idea who the people are that are really working hard to make the projects happen. And 
if you're a firm that values your, your employees and their talents as one of your greatest assets, I would think you would show that and um, showcase that proudly. Yeah, and that's and that's part of your brand. I mean, we we talked about the website and the logo and 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 the story, but could you sort of let's go back to the beginning? What what would be mm -hmm. your definition of brand, and what are all the pieces that that make up a brand? Well, a brand is a promise, and I think that that is the widely accepted definition of a brand. It's a promise you're making to to an audience. Um, it's not just the logo. It's not just the look or the color. It's the overall experience that you're saying, if you engage with our company, you are going to have this experience. And for us, we wanted it to be an optimistic brand, but also rooted in the traditional, as I said. So, it, I mean, it's, it's, all the, it's all the things that you see up front. So that would be the logo and the letterhead and the website. And um, social media presence, but it's also the tone of voice with which you talk about the firm. And that's where social media becomes so important too, is having somebody who clearly understands the, 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 the tone of voice and the way that the firm engages with visitors or the public in general. Uh, and that's, that, that's critical and that, that should carry through in all the writing, think about proposal writing. And um, that's part of the brand as well. And, you know, when you're using boilerplate, that's five years old that may, maybe wasn't reconfigured to match your brand that's that's um that's a problem yeah if every, make sure if, that everything's aligned yeah if everything is visually saying one thing and the words coming out of your mouth uh or your or your written presentations is telling mm -hmm. a completely different story then you mm -hmm. have a misalignment of brand um absolutely and, and the, even even the 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 words you say the greetings on a telephone you know when you answer the telephone and and the processes that you go through to create the architecture is even part of the brand. Absolutely, and and the experience when somebody walks in the front office, um, you know, is there a bunch of junk on the table that you, that you don't even know because you walk by it so many, you know, every day you walk by the same pile of junk so you don't think anything of it, and then so part of my job is often walking around and saying, wait, we have a meeting, we've got to clean up the conference room. You know, that's yeah. it becomes a brand. Market issue for sure, um, and then how you know how people answer the phone, and also even down to um, you know one of the things I've always found is that on um, title blocks and things like that, if you don't have a clear system in place and um, kind of brand book, people can really take licenses when they're doing a report or working on a title block or something. So you can, there's some monitoring that has to happen, which is whoa, whoa, whoa. Who, why are we using this font right now? Right, right. This isn't, we don't use this font for um, the content of memos. We use, this is the hierarchy of fonts that we use. And it's not to be um, you know, overly um, aggressive about defending the brand. It's more that we have to project that we're all on the same page. Because certainly with Union Studio, we're a tight studio and we are all working towards the same goal and mission. So to have things coming out of the firm that, that are misaligned, it certainly doesn't support um, our brand. Yeah. So, so do you have an operations manual and guidelines and all of that for to keep we things do. consistent? We do. And every once in a while, we have to revisit that. And um, we certainly have a, a, a welcome package for new hires that, that talks, um, talks a lot about the, the firm history and what we do and, and how to communicate what we do if, if you're asked. Just, you know, a little cheat sheet. And part of that is also um, the brand identity package. This is how you use this. Is, 
you know, what fonts to use and what colors and where to find the things on the network. Uh, and we're, we're always perfecting that because I, I know that not everybody is that, as concerned about it as, as a brand manager would be. Yeah. They've, got other work, they've got other work to do. So. Right. right. Well, I, I think that you've uh, very successfully rebranded Donald Powers Architects to Union Studio. Um, like I said before, I, I, I certainly encourage everybody to go to the website and take a look at it because uh, I think it's a very good model to, to, uh, to look at when you're branding or rebranding your own firm. Um, certainly don't copy it, <laughs> but look at the lessons oh, that, are, that are being taught there. You know, so Thanks. I, Mark, I also want to interject because I, I, I need to give a shout out to our web designer, Chris McRobbie out of London. He's a freelancer. And he does amazing work. And I realized I hadn't mentioned him beforehand. We're talking so much about the site. I need to say yeah. that. So sorry yeah, to interrupt. Yeah. And I'll have, I'll have um, references to all the people mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the, uh, the resources that you mm-hmm. described as well on the show notes. So um, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll have a, uh, I'll find him on the, on the web and, Good. and put a link to him because he did a really nice job. Yeah, he did. Um, is there anything else that you think that, um, that small firm architects can learn from what, what you did with, uh, Union Studio? Yeah, I think, and, and you brought it up earlier as well, really put your, um, put yourself in the shoes of your potential clients and your existing clients, uh, when looking at redesigning anything. And that's the way you would in any design process where you think about what the user experience is going to be. Um, and, and you can really craft your content towards whatever your target demographic is, both in the way that you speak, the words that you use, the images, even the navigation in your site can be very well organized to appeal to and attract a certain um, clientele. And in our situation, we divided up our portfolio search tools into three categories, one of which was just basic uh, market sectors. The other was um, searching by transect and uh, in new urbanism, uh, the built environment is divided into transects. So you go from, you know, kind of rural and unoccupied to, to dense city experience. And then we also uh, sort by geography. So you could look at a map and say, have they done any projects near us? So we were able to kind of bolster the, the, the thought leadership experience with the transect um, search mechanism, but also the geography, which is that, you know, somebody might be thinking, oh, well, I don't know, I'm in Seattle, I'm, why would I call a Providence firm? But then they could see that we've done all their work out there. Yeah, yeah, that's probably very important when you want to mm-hmm. be doing work elsewhere outside of your mm-hmm. region to show that you have been out there. Yeah, and I did added a, we added a, um, a PDF, a downloadable PDF, which is how, about how we work at a distance, which is Link to that page. So, if your obvious question, obvious question would be, well, how do they do it? Like, you know, how would they do CA on my project from across the country? And then they can download that so that they can bring that if they're just a decision maker and need to talk to their board, or if they're somebody that was just kind of looking at us and needed to bring that to the principal of their firm. You know, it's um, it's good to just have that cheat sheet, yeah, available. Yeah, that's. I'm going to go take a look at that myself. <laughs> Um, if, uh, if listeners wanted to reach out to you, what's the best mm-hmm. way for them to either say, uh, thank you for being here today to share mm-hmm. what you know, or, or sure. if they had any questions, what's the best way to contact you? Uh, well, my email, emily at unistudioarch.com, uh, Twitter at unistudioarch, always, always looking for new followers. And we have a LinkedIn page as well. If you go to our website, you can find links to all of those things. My email is up on the website in our people section. You'll see me, um, 
and happy to answer any questions that people have. And, um, you know, I look forward to talking to other people who are dealing with the same challenges that we did. But it's, you know, it's, it's fun. And, and a lot of people are doing great work, but just need to figure out how to communicate it better. Yeah, I agree. Emily, thank you very much for being with me today on the Entrepreneur Architect Podcast. Thanks, Mark. If you like this episode, please go to iTunes right now and leave me a review because this is how you may help me spread the word about Entrepreneur Architect and our mission to become an influential force in this profession. And it's working. Go to entrearchitect.com slash iTunes or in iTunes, search for Entrepreneur Architect and leave a review. And just a quick heads up before we wrap up here, open enrollment for Entrepreneur Architect Academy will close in a few days on March 1st, 2015. And if you want to join, now's the time. For more information, go to entrearchitect.com slash academy. And that's a wrap on today's show. Show notes and a direct link to download this episode may be found at entrearchitect.com slash episode 65. Before we go, quote of the week. Authentic brands don't emerge from marketing cubicles or advertising agencies. They emanate from everything the company does. Howard Schultz, chairman and CEO of Starbucks. My name is Mark Arlapage and I am an entrepreneur architect. I'll see you next week. Thank you very much for listening. mentioned it to my family but in terms of telling people like oh yeah we're doing this i'm looking for projects you got anything i'm not there yet because it scares the out of me dreaming of launching your own architecture firm well we'll buckle up for a wild ride with emerging the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm where do we begin we don't even know what type of business to formalize as is it an llc is it an llp like how are taxes i mean the list is astronomical season one featured founders jeffrey lexi and chris owners of level studio architecture are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio one evening stumbled into one last dive we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that, (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh One that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging 
and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity, where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast. It's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is going to be a priority. When the job is done, we're going to actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.